0: Listening to the Real Foster Parents of Colorado. This is the only podcast in the state dedicated to child welfare or foster care. This is a special end of year episode. I didn't even plan on making it, but I had um, one of our friends um, who we used to foster when he was younger. He's now almost 14. He's definitely considered part of our extended family. And uh, when I told my four year old that he was coming over, he uh, happened to be with some friends this morning when my husband was going to pick up this boy and uh, my son, and they are, let's see, uh, eight years apart, but my son, he's just totally awestruck by this boy. And he told his little friend, hey, did you know something? My brother's coming over today. And I just, that's one of my favorite things about um, foster care is that my son, thinks that is the normal definition of brother. He's definitely starting to um, ask about siblings who stay and siblings who don't ever go away, but um, it is cool to have him love that way and to have him think that that's normal to just share your family that way. So as we were making lunch this afternoon, I was talking to this boy and I'm always trying to find out more from him about what we can do well as foster parents, and he's had his fair share of foster parents and other kinds of residential homes and things like that. And he loves to give advice and loves to try to make the system better and um, has very much a activist spirit in him about trying to change things. And he, I I asked him, will you tell me a few things that I could share with my friends who are foster parents about what you would want everyone to know before they start fostering? Or if Kyle and I start fostering again, what would you want us to do differently or the same or all totally new compared to what we did with you? And he gave me a list and I thought I was going to get three or four things. And at the end of the day, I have two pages here, full pages, 16 things that he gave me to tell you all. And I said, I said before he left, I said, Hey, do you mind? Remember that list you gave me this afternoon? Do you mind if I share that with some other people who are foster parents or who are thinking about it or who are involved in foster care? And he said, Oh yeah, share it with anybody who's going to be taking care of kids. And so I want to give you his list with a little narration too. So number one, he said, treat all the kids in the house the same. That was absolutely the first thing that came to his mind. I think that is going to be, that's a theme we see from foster youth and former foster youth and people who were adopted. I see that all the time as I'm reading their stories, that they felt like the kids who were born to the family or the kids who had been there longer were definitely treated preferentially and some kids would get presents when other kids wouldn't. And he said, you know, if the kid who lives in the house all the time gets a present, then the foster kid should get a present. He said, if the um, kids get to go on a trip, then all the kids should go on a trip. So he definitely wants to feel like he's equally valued in the home. The second thing he said, now these, are, these just get better and better. So the second thing he said was make sure you have a game room and a TV room with at least two gaming systems so no one gets mad because he finds that Um, If there's too much competition over the gaming system, everyone's going to get in a fight or get upset with each other. And I have to say, we had no game room and no TV system when he lived with, uh, sorry, uh, gaming system when he lived with us, and I'm sure he would have enjoyed that. Maybe maybe looking back now, that's something we should have given him, but um, he he you know wants there to be enough games so that everyone can calm down, relax and then to at least two so that if there's multiple kids in the house there doesn't have to be sharing or competition over it. Number 3. I just thought the things he came up with were so true to him and so insightful. And he said, colors. So red can be a trigger color. And he said, most kids like me and most kids in foster care like dark colors. So just let them wear dark colors if they want to. And I think I remember a couple of conversations when he lived with us a few years back, um, a year and a half ago, and where I would say, hey, could you wear this? Because we're going somewhere nice. (laughs) And he just wanted to wear his dark shirt with a wolf on it or something like that. And, you know. I don't think I chose to die on that hill, but looking back, I wonder if I would have even brought it up, um, in hindsight, but he said, you know, let them pick their own colors. Red can be a trigger for some kids like me and most kids like dark colors, but if they like light colors then let them do that. So, you know, the thing I got out of that is let people have choices and don't, don't be forceful on anything that is not a big deal number four he said make sure you have a backyard where the kids can do projects where they can build something and he was recalling how at our house we had a little um a small guest house i guess in the backyard that was just used for play play area and he loved going in there to calm down to be alone to relax and he said if you have a project area in the backyard where a kid can build a small house that they can go to when they need to uh be alone and calm down then that would be super helpful. Number 5, he said have no more than 4 kids in your home. And I was thinking he would say this because he wants to make sure there's enough attention for everyone and maybe that is uh under the surface one of the things he's talking about, but he said have no more than 4 kids in your home because if one kid goes and wants the remote and then another kid wants it back or if someone wants a game controller and another kid wants it back it's manageable manageable to pull four kids off each other but if you get to five it just gets out of control. So, funny uh a funny thing that kind of shows some of his experience. Um and we only had him and our son in the home when when he lived with us. So, it was pretty different than some of the other places he's been. And then I asked him, actually I said, would you have preferred that we would have other preteens in the house with you and he said he thought that would be fun um but then at the same time he doesn't know cuz some Some other kids his age are really annoying. So he said he couldn't say. He said, number six, give them like $10 a month for an allowance. And then he modified that to, I think he ended up saying $25 a week after he realized $10 a month isn't that much. But he said, give them an allowance and let them have something to spend. And that's something um, for teenagers and preteens, I think that's built into the stipend. For foster care and a lot of foster parents put that in a bank account and save it up for the kid to have later or let them actually have free reign of their bank account. And both of those things can be really helpful for growing up and learning how to do how to do money well. Number seven, he said, don't buy video games that have blood or killing in them. So instead, apparently, he's telling this. I don't know if this is true. My brother played Halo when I was younger. Um, apparently, he says that you can get Halo and not have when someone is shot, Someone there's no blood, um, but there's just confetti comes out. And I'm not exactly sure that that's true, but again, something that he's pretty self-aware of is, um, if you're seeing a bunch of violence, it's gonna make you want to be violent is what he told me. And so he said, if you're killing someone, at least make sure there's confetti coming out in the video game. Number eight, let the kids go on trips with their family if approved by the judge. So this came out of me asking him how foster parents should treat the kid's parents. And he said, um, he would want them to, be respectful if the mom, if his mom wanted to take him on a trip that the foster parents should be enthusiastic about that. And and then, of course, because he's been in the system so long, which I think it's kind of sad he knows, but it would have to be approved first. So that's number eight. Number nine, let them have a heater or fan in their room. That's something he had at our house, and he just likes to be able to control the temperature. Again, controlling anything he can that's within safe limits. There's a lot of things we can give kids control over that I think helps them feel not quite so subjected to the system. And these are the funniest small things that I would have never thought of. I I tend to think a lot more big picture than this, but to a kid, this is the important stuff. And so I think that's why it's important to listen. Number 10, keep boys and girls in separate bedrooms. Thought that was a great one. Number eleven: Let the kids introduce themselves first. Welcome them in when they come. You know, it's their first time meeting this foster family coming into the home. Um, Ask them what their favorite kind of candy is, and then buy it for them. Um, Let the kids who live there already introduce themselves, and basically, he was saying just be welcoming and do something to be warm. Number twelve. Give them bubble gum to calm down. So he was telling me about these huge chunks of bubble gum that he chews. And this is, again, this is what happens when a kid is in therapy from the time they're five or six years old. They start to learn all these coping strategies. They could almost, uh, they, they start sharing coping strategies amongst themselves that they learn from their therapists or from their treatment people. And he's so self aware about that stuff. So finding something to give him that uh, I think they call it That might not be the proprioceptive um, pressure, but it's a certain kind of um, pressure and movement that is uh, stress-relieving, especially to people who have traumatic backgrounds. Number 13, if they do a chore without being asked, give them a dollar. And I said, would, you know, praise and verbal affirmation be okay? And he said, yeah, but if it's a really good job, give them a dollar. He's very motivated by money and things. Number 14, let them cook if they get stressed. This is something he likes to do. So he said something like, if they're just stressed, let them do something simple, like make an egg or something. And that is something he did at our house uh, quite often. And I remember he made breakfast for us the morning he moved home to be with his mom. Number 15, if they get sick, give them Dayquil with juice because the Dayquil does not taste good. So either mix it in with the juice or um, wash it down. Let them wash it down with the juice. Uh, you can tell he he enjoys having, um, he enjoys getting to say how he wants things to happen. And I think that's, I think all of us are that way. Number 16, this is the last one. If they just got out of a mental hospital, take them to a movie. Let them pick the movie. It helps them calm down. So that is my list of 16 things that a 14, a 14 year old who has spent most of, I wouldn't say most of his life, probably about a quarter of his life in foster care, off and on since he was little. Um, those are the things he thinks about when he thinks what would what would a good foster home be? What would it be like to be in a home where all my needs are met and I feel safe and comfortable and welcome. And it certainly doesn't make it a perfect situation from the foster parent side, but I would say that the theme I will pull out of this is choice and dignity and um, equity between the children for sure, as much as is possible. And even though um, I tried that as a foster mom, I really prioritized that. Even having two kids in the same home, um, especially when one is stable and secure in his place in the family and one is just coming in as a 12-year-old, it's not easy to do that because everything doesn't come equally. You might go to school and get something um, as a treat from your teacher, and then you come home and then... The the foster sibling, I suppose you'd say, wants the same thing. And it's just, it doesn't always work that way. But keeping keeping an eye on those kinds of things, I think the kids will notice it over time. And I'm planning to make this a consistent effort in the next year of Foster Together's programming to have more and more conversation from people who've lived through foster care in some way or another, whether they're kids and we, and we give it to you anonymously like this, or whether they're adults who grew up in foster care or people who had their children in foster care. I want to always be including those voices because these are the people that we're trying to serve. We're not even trying to serve foster parents as the end of our work, we're serving them so they can serve the kids well. And so if we're not listening to the kids and the families, I think we'll miss important things that need to be part of this conversation and this culture and this culture shift, really, that needs to happen from just talking about how we feel as foster parents and about our views of the case to let's refocus again to what's centered on the children. If you want to support that happening this next year, go to fostertogether.co slash 2018, we have Some lists of testimonials, stories, a few statistics about the last year, and really easy ways to support whether you want to join our giving circle at $600 for the year or become a monthly donor at $10 a month or $15 or $20 a month. We have so many of those monthly donors that have committed that we are 23% funded for next year just with those monthly donors. And so don't underestimate the power of 10 or 20 or $30 a month because that pushes us in a very sustainable way. You can read all about the business plan for next year, all of the plans for next year at fostertogether.co slash 2018 and email me if you have any questions about that or if you have ideas of people I should put on this podcast. Thank you for listening to The Real Foster Parents of Colorado.